Amen. Thank you. Text this morning and, and that song, uh, actually for me, uh, takes me back to the very first sermon I ever preached uh, in uh, Sinks Grove, West Virginia. Uh, and my pulpit was a uh, barbecue stand uh, with a towel draped over it. And uh, that stand shook as much as I shook uh, that, that particular day. And I later took that sermon on the road in a preaching caravan when I was in seminary. But I've spared you that. I'm not gonna, I did not try to resurrect it uh, today. I don't know why I preached it as much as I did. But uh, anyway, it's good to remember. Uh, and uh, if some of those dear folks from Sinks Grove uh, are here, thank you for being so very patient with me that summer. Well, let's pray together. Lord, I tell that story just because it's such a reminder that we co- every time we come to your word, we come to it in a new way, a different way. Uh, we're at a different place in life, but, but every time it speaks your truth, and we're grateful for that. And so we just ask that you would send your Holy Spirit again today, that you would enlighten your word, that you would inspire the reading and the proclamation of your word. I pray that I would be faithful to your word as I share it and that we would uh, glean something new out of it or something we've heard before and we just need to hear again. Lord, speak to us in a mighty way. We ask in Christ's holy name. Amen. John uh, 15, uh, verses 12 through 17. Listen to God's word to each of you. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. Last week we looked over and over again at that word abide in the first part of John chapter 15. That Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and we are to abide in him. Abiding in Jesus, remember I told you, is more than faith. 
It's more than connection. It's really even more than relationship. That Jesus is inviting you and I into a deeper union with him. I share with you a few practices that can draw us into that deeper union. One, of course, is, is to be students of God's Word. Uh, to be such students of God's Word that Scripture becomes the narrative of our lives. I also urge you to consider a few uh, practices that I have gleaned from uh, John Eldridge's writings. That is to, to take a pause throughout our day. To take pauses throughout our day to do things like, Lord, just, just to say, Lord, I give you everything. I give everything and everyone to you. I, I can't, maybe I can't let go of my control completely, but in these moments, I give it to you. Throughout the day, declaring our love for God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you. Maybe we pause to notice the beauty around us, the natural beauty. Maybe we pause to notice the beautiful people that God has created. Or maybe we marvel at, at some technology or engineering marvel. And we just thank the Lord and we recognize that He's in control, not us. I hope you took that seriously. I really would urge you in these days in which we live to take pauses throughout your day to focus on the Lord. Uh, to abide in Him, to have a deeper union with Him. Today, though, we're going to consider one of the great names the Lord has given us. And it, too, speaks of our union with the Lord. You know, the Bible has numerous names for the followers of Christ. We've got some here that we're called believers. We're called the beloved of God, the children of God. We're called children of light, Christians, disciples. We're called the elect, heirs of God, heirs of salvation, people of God. We're called a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, salt of the earth, and saints. And that's just a few uh, of our names. But in today's text, we're given a very important name. We're called friends of Jesus. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you, what? Friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, of course, but this word is also for us. It's a word that we too are called friends. We have a communion and a union with the Lord. And there are some key characteristics of friends of Jesus. There are even stipulations for friends of Jesus. Friends of Jesus love one another. Friends of Jesus obey him, which includes praying in accordance with his will. Friends of Jesus know divine truth, and friends of Jesus have been chosen by him. Friends of Jesus love one another. Verses 12 and 13, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then verse 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Both Mark and Luke's gospel tell us that Jesus is in the upper room, the upper room of an unnamed man's home. And he celebrates Passover with his disciples. It's evening. He celebrated Passover and Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. He's foretold 
about his betrayal. And his betrayer, Judas, has left to do that awful deed. So Jesus is left there, think about this, in that room, sitting around the room with his most intimate friends. And for the second time, Jesus commands that they love one another. The first time was back in John 13, 34. And remember in John 15, 10, Jesus said, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Love is the fulfillment, beloved, of Jesus' commandments. He he taught that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God, and the second is to love our neighbor. Friends of Jesus are going to love one another because at our new birth in Christ, according to Romans 5, 5, God's love has actually been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, love for all people, but especially for God's people, characterizes the redeemed of the Lord. That should be our nature. And John apparently took Jesus' commandment to heart for when he wrote his first epistles, he repeated this theme over and over and over again. I'm just going to share a few. 1 John 3.14, we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers and the sisters. Whoever does not love abides in death. One of the proofs that you and I are born again is that we love one another. 1 John 4, 7-8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. If we claim to know God, then we're going to love one another. And then Jesus is going to up the ante a little bit more in 1 John 4, 20, as he so often does. He says, if anyone says, I love God, and yet he hates his brother or his sister, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Hate of brother or sister does not coincide with love of God. There's no way we're really loving God if we do not love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends of Jesus love one another. Jesus goes so far as to say that great love includes laying down our lives for our friends. That's what he did for us, right? And while we may not literally be called to lay down our lives, there is a calling here to sacrifice for love of one another. We sacrifice our schedule to love. We sacrifice our agenda for the good of the body of Christ. We forgive even when we really struggle to do so. We love the person who never seems to love us very much in return. Love means laying down our lives for one another. Friends of Jesus are going to love one another. Friends of Jesus are also going to obey him. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. This characteristic of a friend brings us back around to the first characteristic. Friends of Jesus do what he commands, but his primary commandment is to love the Lord your God and to love one another. That's a summation of the Ten Commandments, the first four being about loving God and the second six being about loving one another. 
We're not a friend of Jesus if we do not obey him. We're not abiding in Christ in union with Christ if we're not obedient. Jesus actually equates faith in him with obedience in John 3, 36. He says on one hand, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And then in a parallel phrase, he says, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. They're equated. They go together. Paul declared in Romans 1.5 that one of the goals of his apostolic ministry was to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations. Obedience, of course, does not earn us salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're saved by grace through faith, and this not by works, so that no one can boast. Titus 3, 5, God saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Obedience is not the means of salvation, but, beloved, it is evidence that we are saved when we're obedient to the Lord. It's proof that we're living in union with Christ when we choose to be obedient. And obedience and our prayer life go together. Jesus says in verse 16 that he chose us, and we'll come back to that in a little bit, but he chose us to bear fruit so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Back in verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. But this is not the false teaching of health and wealth gospel. This is not treating God as if he's some cosmic Santa Claus that's just going to give us everything on our wish list. Notice the prayer Jesus promised to answer it is offered in his name, which means we're going to ask it in accordance with his will. We're going to ask it in a way that's consistent with what he wants so that he might be glorified. Second, the promise of answered prayer is for those who abide in Christ. It's for those who walk with Christ. And then the answer to prayer is for those who keep his word, who abide in it, who are obedient. Friends of Jesus are obedient. Even our prayer life, we try to bring it in conformity with the will of God. Friends of Jesus also know divine truth. Verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Now believers are often referred to in the New Testament as servants. Paul, for example, humbly begins his letter to Romans, Paul, a servant, of Christ Jesus. Servant or doulos is a word that corresponds with kurios or Lord. Jesus is Lord. Believers are his servants. But servants, and the word can also be translated slaves or bond servants, don't normally know what their master is doing, right? Servants don't know what the master is doing. Servants are usually not privy to the master's plan. Ordinarily, masters do not reveal their goals and their purposes to servants. Ordinarily, masters just say, hey, servant, you go do what I tell you to do, and that's what the servant has to do. But Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Believers are friends of Jesus. Did you know that in the Old Testament... There's only two people, Abraham and Moses, who is referred to as a friend of God. 
Beloved, you're in elite company. You're in elite company if you've trusted in Christ and are a friend of Christ. And it gets even better than that. Christ chose you. He chose you to be in this elite company. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And your fruit should abide or remain or last. If you've trusted in Christ, it's because he's chosen you to be his friend. By no merit of your own, he's extended his grace to you. By the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, you've been born again. And though you are servants, you are much, much more. You are beloved friends of Christ. William Barclay, in his commentary, shed some light on this privilege. And he shed some light on having the truth of Jesus given to us because we're friends. Let me read his commentary. This phrase in this text is lit by a custom practiced at the courts both of the Roman emperors and of the kings of the Middle East. At these courts, there were very select people called the friends of the king or the friends of the emperor. And at all times, these friends had access to the king. David had the right to come into his bedchamber at the beginning of the day. These, these friends, the king actually talked to before he talked to his generals, before he talked to his rulers, before he talked to his statesmen. The friends of the king were the closest and most intimate companions he had. Now think about that. We were chosen by the king of all kings. By the king of all kings. We were chosen for an intimate union with him. You and I were chosen to receive from him the truth of his father. We've received the truth of the gospel. Jesus taught us the truth that he's God incarnate. He taught us God's will, especially God's will that we love one another. He taught us to be obedient to that will. He, he's given us the truth about the kingdom of heaven. He's given us the truth that he's going to return again in glory. He and his friends do win. Satan and his minions, they lose. The battle's already won. There's still battles to fight, yes, but the war has been decided. We win. And Jesus has revealed that truth to us because we're his friends. The list could go on and on. Think about it. Rejoice in it. You and I are friends of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He dwells with us. He dwells in us by His Holy Spirit. We're friends of Jesus and we're called to abide with Him. We're called to a deeper union with Jesus, our friend, and our Lord and our Savior. Therefore, let's love one another. Let's obey Him, being obedient even to seek His will in our prayer lives. Let's seek His and His Father's truth. And may we always remember, always remember, we have been chosen, each one of you, 
to be friends of Jesus. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Indeed. Indeed. Let's pray together. There's no way I can do this text justice this morning because it's almost beyond fathom that you would call us friends, that you would call us beloved, that you would choose us. God, what a privilege to be friends with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we know it's not by any merit of our own. We're so grateful that you chose us. I pray we'll love you more. We'll love one another more. I pray you'll keep drawing us into obedience unto you. Lord, I pray that we'll just seek after you. I pray that we'll want your truth. And I pray that, Lord, just sometime every day that we would rejoice in the fact that we're your friends, chosen by you. What a privilege is ours. We love you, Lord. We praise you. For while we were yet sinners, you died for us and you chose us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you, today and forevermore. Amen.